It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch, race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white knuckle racing. Just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today. Do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. Good show lined up for you today. Local news and headlines. We'll talk about the Knoxville Nationals a little bit. We'll talk about the race at the Indy Road Course and the implications on the NASCAR points. Plus, I'm sure we'll mix in a couple of other things there, too. Dirk, do you want to start off with Indy and NASCAR news, or should we uh, do the local stuff first? Well, since we've got people on already, let's do the local stuff, and then the people can turn us off if they don't want to listen to NASCAR. Sounds like a plan. Uh, the only real local news I have is the Malvern Bank 360 race at Shelby County Speedway has been canceled. Uh, they were scheduled for Saturday, September 9th. Says the track has decided to go into a different direction, but uh, any 360 fans and 360 drivers are asked to please keep that September 9th date on their schedule. Uh, they have a couple of tracks they've been working with about picking up the series so they're working to get somebody on for that September 9th show. Again, no longer going to be at Shelby County Speedway. That is, was supposed to be, I believe, a Race Saver Sprint Car and 410 Sprint Car triple header with the 360s. But uh, Malvern, or excuse me, but uh, Shelby County Speedway, for some reason, has decided to move in a different direction and is not going to have the 360s on the bill. But they're keeping the other two, just not the 360s. Sounds like they're keeping the other two. Mm-hmm. That's kind of odd, but all right. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that, too. Uh, there's a couple of people on social media that are calling for making it a two-day show at Eagle Raceway. They're going to be at Eagle on Sunday, September 10th, for the Stewart Alley Memorial Race, a nice big paying race that uh, is being put on by Taylor, Tyler Perry Enterprises. Uh, make it a two-day show. Um so we'll see what happens. Uh, it, it might be a little bit, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess Eagle could easily add them. You just got to go and pick up, uh, what do you think, two, maybe three support classes and and then uh, throw a Saturday show together. You got days where the track prep and, and some other stuff like that you're going to have to get involved with. So obviously there'll be not only purse money, but added expense and uh, uh, supplies could, could be an issue. Um, since it's in, you know, less than a month away, maybe they can't stock the concessions like they might need to. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I can see that, but I mean, they're already going to have it stocked for Sunday. So why not when you're ordering for Sunday, just order a little extra, I guess. Well, what I'm saying is their order might already be in for Sunday. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how far in advance they need to do that stuff. Uh, I can tell you from her liquor order, she um, decides to, uh, and she being Racine, uh, orders the the day, uh, the week in advance for a weekend to come. So I I would, you know, maybe a, a food order is two weeks out. I can't imagine it being much more than that, but who knows? Could be uh, factors like, in there that we don't realize. Well, yeah, like I said, well, plus, I mean, if it's going to be the last show of the weekend, they're going to try and run out of food. Yeah. You know, obviously, so. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just having a big party the next day and saying, hey, everybody come eat. (laughs) And I'm not seeing anything on Shelby County Speedway's Facebook page about that race uh, getting adjusted, dropping the 360s off of it. Or if they're replacing them with another series, maybe 
they're just dropping the Malvern Bank portion of it and they're going to run MSTS. I don't know. Uh, haven't seen anything on their f- Facebook page as to what they're doing or reasoning behind it. But uh, the statement that I read was off of the Malvern Bank 360 page. Correct. That's so, what I said. Uh, kind of an interesting thing. I, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but make sure and stay tuned for any of that. I think that's all I have for local stuff other than I guess you could, do you want to consider the, the Knoxville nationals being local? Cause it is just a couple hours down the road. Well, yeah, I mean, we can, we can uh, go ahead and cover that cause they're not going to want to have to stick around through NASCAR news to listen about Knoxville. And I mean, there was uh, a little bit of other racing going around here over the weekend. I know we had some uh, SLMR stuff and, uh, you know, so there was some racing, even though you were out dancing and drinking, there was some <laughs> other racing going. <laughs> I know. I was trying to watch the Eagle race on my phone at the banquet or at the uh, ceremony, but uh, Sarah kept uh, stopping me from doing that. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that happening. Um, for the Knoxville Nationals, Kyle Larson uh, ends up winning the race. Um, I think he let, he qualified on the pole position, led all 50 laps. That's the way I read it. From my understanding, uh, up in the front wasn't really an entertaining race, but back in the back, I think David Gravel, who finished second, started twenty uh, seventh. Is that what you said? I thought I thought he started twenty second. Okay, I think th- I think that that sounds right. That it was twenty second to second. Um, then it was Donnie Schatz, Gio Selzy, and uh, Carson Macedo that ended up in the top five. I, I, the only, I, I didn't watch any of the Knoxville nationals. I didn't really check in any of the nights. I just kind of checked out from it. I, I really just had some other stuff going on. So I, it wasn't on my radar, but I did see a, re, uh, uh, kind of a report from a friend of mine that said that, you know, it was kind of your typical Knoxville nationals. It was a good race back in the field, a lot of competitive racing. Um, there's a lot of things that they could cut out to make the show a little bit more efficient and timely and not be there until late at night. But, uh, it's their show, and and they've had plenty of time to make tweaks, and uh, haven't. So, uh, well, and they've got the TV contracts and everything else they got to worry about. I mean, you and I know that part of it. So, yeah, and, yeah, and, but and we I complain about the same thing. You know, they take, you know, uh, an hour worth of pre-race for, you know, if they if they don't have a lot of yellows, an hour worth of pre-race. Well, they do do the fuel stop. So, you if you take if you would take that <laughs> and drop the race ten laps or something. And yeah. they wouldn't need that halfway break. And they, you know, if Kyle Larson's on the front, that show is going to be run in, you know, less than 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it, I, I still don't, I don't buy the network deal on locally because I, I heard that argument from a racetrack. And then the next year they got the show done two and a half hours earlier. So I don't know what changed with the network that, it just we we you and I have had this frustration when you go to the Knoxville Nationals and you're inside the racetrack. F- frankly, outside of the racing, it's boring. Th- they take way too long to do things. There's not enough going on to keep the crowd entertained. And I, I continue to be the one that stands on the hill and says, "Get the show over with." It, it, I get that you guys think you have to run till ten or eleven or twelve o'clock at night. Whatever you're selling alcohol, you're doing whatever you got to do, but. There's an efficiency there that fans would appreciate. And, well, and I, uh, I, I, I feel like it's lost at Knoxville. You know, they run where they end up usually starting around the G feature. Somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And this one so, was the E. They had a, they went to an E this year. Yeah. Okay. So I'm missing by two. But anyway, they, they go down and they run 
like uh, normally it's an, an even amount anyway. So normally I say they at least have an F because they're usually running like the F and then the E and they're, they're only like eight laps, but then they run, you know, a bunch of hot laps. Yeah. You know, those, they'll run a section of hot laps at that point for like the people that are going to be in, let's see, the, the D and the C, probably the B, mm-hmm. probably the hot laps then. Then, you know, the, but they're running so many hot laps sessions in between the features that, you know, it, it just takes too long. And then, like I said, there's an hour's worth of pre-race and the, they do the anthems and they do the Canadian Anthem Plus, you know, the, the U.S. Anthem. And then they interview and, and announce anybody that's any type of a name, you know, this guy yeah. won Nashville in 1962 and they're wheeling him up there, you know, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that it, I, I get it. I, I think driver intros are important and they need to happen because especially for the A feature, it's, it's the biggest stage. A lot of these guys are ever going to be on. Uh, but you don't need an interview of every driver. No. No, you don't. We've had that discussion at the Race Saver Nationals. Uh, somebody came up and said, you need to interview the the, the top 10 starters. And I said, hell no. Maybe yeah. the top three. You do no, not need to interview all 10. The top two, the front row, if you're going to do that, the yeah. front row, we're done. And because they're already interviewing uh, the guy that won the last chance race. Hey, man, are you going to take the money? Or are you going to go? Yeah. Well, of course, I'm going to race. That's what I'm there for. And, you know. I, I've never heard a good pre-race interview that I thought, wow, that was really good. Like, you, you got to keep it quick. Uh, hey, you're starting eighth. Uh, what do you think your chances are? I mean, what do you what do you think they're going to say? Well, you know, they're pretty shitty. Uh, yeah. We got a really crap car. Uh, we, we got lucky and qualified. You know, what are they going to say? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to pull off. Yeah, <laughs> you got 10 guys you're interviewing or, or however many you decide to interview. There's going to be about three or four answers. That's really all you're going to get. So, yeah, I, the reason why we do... On the job at hand. Yeah. It, but anyways, it, we've, we've been critics of the Knoxville Nationals. It, it's a huge race. And, and there's they've done a fantastic job with building an event. And really, it, it is a thing that I think you're shorting yourself if you just go down for Saturday. You go down for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And really, you could even start over there on Monday. Camp out all week. Uh, just experience the life. I think they've got enough stuff going on that, that it's it, it would create enough great memories that it it's worth going back every year, but I just continue to have frustration with the way that they execute the, um, the final night's events. It just, it seems like there's a lot of sitting and waiting around. I'm not, a, I'm not as much of a sprint car fan as I am of late models, you know? Mm-hmm. So for me going over Saturday is perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, um, if I'm there for a whole week and then I would have to go through Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> that would that would be rough. I mean, and that's just my personal opinion. It's it's something I think everybody ought to see. I mean, the first time I saw it was when I started working with you. So it would have been in 2015. And, uh, of course, we were still doing radio then. And we did the Friday-Saturday deal. And that was the only time we did Friday-Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – unfortunately, people have asked me several times why we don't go over there anymore. And – Unfortunately, I have to judge these things on the caliber of what we get for the show. In the last couple of years we went over there, uh, the racetrack was fantastic to us. We got we got treated well by the racetrack. It's just unfortunately, I guess my barometer is, are we getting autographed items for the contests? Are we getting interviews for the show? Are we getting sound bites? Are we 
we make it worth our while to drive over there. In the last couple of years, it was absolutely not. We really couldn't get access to many of the drivers that we wanted. Um, and, and maybe we're not doing the right things, but eventually it just came down to it doesn't work out. And and honestly, this year I wouldn't have gone if we would have, have gotten been getting a ton of information because or a ton of uh, stuff for the show because my niece was getting married that night. So, well, it's only the second year we've missed. It's not like we haven't gone since 2016. I yeah. mean, you know, the pandemic slowed things down um, during the pandemic. Nobody had any hero cards. You know, mm-hmm. it was very limited access to a lot of stuff. But, you know, there wasn't anything to get our autographs like we were normally chasing and and when the guys had the hero cards, you know, we worked hard trying to get those because half the time when you're you're there, the driver ain't around, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, that hurt us. Um, I think it was the last year we went. Um, was a year, you know, we hustled to get back into the uh, media center so we could get a good seat and be able to make sure to get into our interviews when we try to interview the podium. And they did all the interviews on the front straightaway. Yeah. Nobody about that. That was not announced. Yeah. Yeah. They used to do a, uh, like a media center, like NASCAR media center, post-race interview with the top four. And that gave us an excellent opportunity to stop the, the top finishers and just have a quick two, three, five minute conversation with them. And that gave us the information we kind of needed for the show. You were doing the interviews and I was holding up. the Yeah. <laughs> uh anyway so uh well, dan will be right over here come on <laughs> but uh kyle larson ends up winning uh his second knoxville nationals i think you saw he won two hundred and thirty-five thousand for the finishing purse uh for the finishing uh for the for the winner's purse uh so a good weekend for him and uh then he came over sunday at uh indianapolis motor speedway and uh got himself a top 10 finish uh, let's transition over to that and talk about that race. Uh, I got to watch a little bit of it as it was on the screens at uh, at the library pub, but uh, it was a uh, a bit of a, a crazy show or a crazy day at the pub on Sunday. So I, di- I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but um, from what I did see, it, it seemed like it was a bit of a rough start with a lot of really early cautions and then things kind of settled down a little bit. There was only one caution. I thought I saw one right off the bat on, on lap number yeah. one. No, I was lap number two, and that was the only caution. And they could have survived not throwing that. Oh, yeah. They threw it way early. Since it was that early in the race, the cars weren't all strung out. That course is big enough. It's a road course. Mm -hmm. Um, They could have – the car got going. It was uh, Justin Haley. Um, Joey Logano smacked him up into the tire. He got tore up pretty good. He was still back on the track. I don't know how many laps down he finished, but he, he got back on the track. But he made it back on the track before any car was anywhere near him. And David Suarez had already jumped out to like a three and a half second lead in one Jeez. lap. And Jeez. That, that, that yellow really changed his day. Yeah. Um, I mean, he still ended up with a third place finish. He didn't have a whole lot for him. He had a um, his last pit stop, the money stop, the air hose got caught under the front tire. Then uh, the driver's side, the left front, because they do the pit stop backwards. So it wasn't at the end. It was the beginning of the pit stop. Cost him probably six or eight seconds. And he went into the pit in second place. But the top three cars were so far out front that it really, you know, he came out third. He only got passed by the car by Chase Elliott, who was, you know, a half a second or a third of a second behind him when they went into the pit. But, uh 
Uh, the top three got kind of strung out. They were talking about Chase Elliott chasing down McDowell at the end. McDowell was coasting, you know, and he even said that. He goes, I didn't want to screw anything up, and I was careful through lap traffic. And, you know, my spotter was telling me, you know, and once he got to one second, I made sure he didn't get any closer. Yeah. So, yeah, it looked on that last lap like he was closing, but that uh, being Elliott closing in on McDowell, but that makes a lot of sense that McDowell was probably just – Taking it easy and not not pushing his car and saving his stuff. Well, that's what he did for a long time because, and he even said that in the interview, he goes, we always have a late race caution on road courses. Mm -hmm. So he goes, I didn't use up all my stuff. You know, I just kind of coasting around there. And he goes, I had plenty of car left. And, uh, you know, then we don't get the caution, but it's still okay. Um, it's still weird for me getting used to them not stopping. On yeah. the stage break. Yeah. You know, they ran 82 laps and uh, the fuel window was like 32 or, you know, they talked about some guys even trying to stretch it a little further. And I think a couple of guys went 34 or 35, but that was because of, of the caution early. They ended up with like, I think, three or four caution laps there at the beginning. But uh, uh, it was only only two pit stops. That's all there was. Mm -hmm. So... It seemed like it was a relatively quick race. Well, yeah, without any cautions, it's a very quick race. Yeah. Oh, they were fighting for stuff to find the dude to use up the TV time after the race was over. I noticed that. They were, they were struggling. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, let's show the, the Watkins Glen crash from 1973. Yeah, that's what we'll do now. You know? <laughs> but, uh, no, there was some racing in the pack, but up front, you know, without them throwing any of the cautions, they could have thrown a couple other cautions. And they came real close. Um, A.J. Almendinger got caught. He was a little bit off the track, but they still would have thrown it. But he finally got the car fired. They gave him a little bit and finally fired up, and he joined, joined the fray again. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of bouncing around. I don't remember. I think all the cars finished on the track. Uh, they started 39 or finished 39 or something yep. like that. Yep, Eric Amarola was the worst of the day, finished 79 of the 82 laps, but he was running at the end. Really? So Justin Haley didn't even miss three laps, huh? Nope, uh, missed two. Oh, okay. So like I said, he drove the car back to the pits. You know, there was yeah. never a race around the track for anything. Nobody lost any tires. Um, Byron had to do a, a pass through because of his tech issues getting through the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think there was one other speeding penalty on the first round of pit stops, but I can't remember who. And, and the pit stop sequences were all over the place. There were guys that ran short and pitted right away and then ran out until basically the end of the second stage, and then they had to pit. Um, and then, you know, there were other guys that just basically cut the race into three. You know, we're running, uh, you know, not quite 30 laps at a, at a clip, but who knows what would have happened then if they would have had a late, a late caution and, you know, had to do a green white checkers or something that might've really might've brought everybody in. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, uh, talk about that restart zone a little bit. Do you think that helped with, well, I guess we didn't have a lot of restarts. So, um, do you think that helped with the couple you got to see, or is it something you need, we need to see more of? No, I mean, it worked. Um, but did it help? I don't know. Um, it literally gives them the whole front state straight away to race. Um, 
So, but it, but they really didn't have the the normal number of, I don't know, screw ups and and going into turn one. Yeah, you know that's where a lot of the action usually happens. And there was a little bit yesterday. There was one time, um, who was that Japanese dude running the sixty seven? Uh, oh, I can't say his name, but I got it right in front Kibiyashi? of me. Yeah, I think uh, his name Kamu Kamu K A M U I. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Kobayashi is right. Although I'm, I might be mistaken him with the uh, Nathan's hot dog eating champion. <laughs> but no, he uh, Stanhouse just drilled him in the butt one time. I, I saw that in the highlights. You know, that's all. Yeah. He went, he drove in too deep, and uh, just drilled him, and it punted him nice and square. He didn't hit him on the corner. You know, he was still breaking, and but I mean, it cost him a whole lot of track position. There were several deals like that. Um, uh, there was a big one like that in the Xfinity race on Saturday, but, uh, the Xfinity race had rain tires and all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, but yesterday's race was just literally uneventful. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, when those three cars pretty much got broken out there, um, until they got into traffic, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, but McDowell was a class of the field. He was fastest in practice. There was no reason. I don't, he must've missed a turn or something when, uh, in qualifying. Um, but I started think fourth, huh? Started fourth. Yeah. But he, like I said, in practice, he had the field covered. Yeah. So he ends up winning the race. Uh, Elliot comes home second, Daniel Suarez third, Tyler Reddick fourth, and Alex Bowman fifth. Then it was Briscoe, Trix Jr., Larson Bell, and Shane Van Ginsbergen. Um, yeah, kind of like what you're talking about. If I'm looking at the stat sheet, it's echoing exactly what you're talking about. Wasn't a lot of comers and goers. Uh, everybody that finished in the top 10 in both stages basically finished in the top 10 at the end of the race. You had a couple here and there, Hamlin and Keselowski, that uh, had good second stages but ended up finishing 19th and 20th, respectively. And then Kyle Busch, who finished 6th in both stages, ended up finishing 36th. Hamlin and, and Keselowski both went in on that first caution. I think they topped off with gas. They might have even have taken tires. I don't know. So they were off on the pit se- sequence. Once that second stage was over, they had to pit. Then they had to pit a third time. Mm those two particular cars, mm-hmm. but that's why they finished up towards the front end of the stage. Yeah. And stage two. Michael uh, McDowell had the best points of the day, 59 points, one stage one, second and stage two. Then it was uh, probably Daniel Suarez at 51, Chase Elliott at 49, uh, Reddick at 44, and then I believe uh, Bowman at 38, each one of those points. But when you're talking the points battle at, uh, anymore, it's uh, basically Elliott, I mean, doesn't matter. He, He's 80 points out with two races to go and 120 available points for him to win. But the chances that Bubba Wallace, Brad Keselowski, or uh, Kevin Harvick, who are all on the bubble and winless, but in the playoffs right now, uh, the chances they give up 120 points in two races uh, is pretty slim to none. Well, you say Harvick, Keselowski, and Bubba Wallace Mm -hmm. above the cut line. Yeah, they're 14th, 15th, and 16th. Yeah, so with, with two races to go, basically the, the only one that's really in trouble there is Bubba. Yeah, as I'm looking at the points, I'm realizing that. You know, they're so far up there, but if they get two new winners, if Harvick wins a race and Bubba wins a race, 
you know, then Keslowski's in there. But if, if it's not, you know, if it's not yeah. Harvick winning race, you know, Harvick's really the only one that's that's in there, but he's not. You know, that's that's what's so weird about it. Uh, what do you mean? He's pretty much he's pretty much guaranteed to be in. Harvick. Yeah, he he. You know, there's obviously scenarios out there that. Well, I mean, really, it, I can't think of a scenario where he wouldn't be. Oh yes, you can. Come on. Um, two new winners. Two new winners. Harvick breaks both times because Lowry's the last one in. Even nine, oh, by three points. If oh, I'm just saying that's yeah. that's the only available scenario for Harvick to screw up. Yeah, you're right. No, I'm I'm not I'm not fighting on that. I'm 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 just that was me realizing it. But yeah, that's the only one. That's the only scenario. If you if you would get a Ty Gibbs wins and uh, Bowman wins mm-hmm. or Elliott. Yeah, you know, it's a definite threat this weekend. So, yeah, if I'm Hendrick, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm Hendrick Motorsports, excuse me, I just got something in the back of my throat. <clears> throat> I might think it was a piece of popcorn I was eating at the library pub today. One of those little uh, kernels. Anyways, if I'm Hendrick Motorsports, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket because I'm not banking on next weekend at Daytona for anything. Elliot's good there and Hendrick can be good there and Chevy can be good there. But it's a super speedway. I, I think you control your fate at Watkins Glen. Yeah, Elliot does. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, but the way guys have been streaky, now that McDowell's in, he's going to be a hell of a threat next week, too. Mm-hmm. You know, road racing's his deal. And I think Hendricks is going to throw the kitchen sink out there with uh, Elliot this week. And then they're going to repeat the kitchen sink with Bowman in Daytona. Yeah. Yeah. And, and- points back. And to be honest, let's let's say the scenario happens and Chase Elliott qualifies for the playoffs in one way or another. I don't see him making it past the round of eight. He has not been good all season long. He's been struggling to overcome the injury deficit and then the penalty. And frankly, they're, they should be a championship caliber team, but I think they're just having an off year. So even if he does make the playoffs, I don't expect him to go very far. Well... He really was kind of off last year. This new car, he hasn't been really good. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only person out of Hendricks has been really good in this new car. Well, half the team is the team that's still good in it right now, and that's Byron and Larson. Yeah, they've been good in the new car, and Elliott and Bowman really haven't. But you know, uh, it's kind of weird when you think about it. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, it's the ebb and flow of the sport and really any sport. You, the teams that, that hit their highs and, and hit their hot streaks, uh, they do it at, at incredibly unexpected points. Uh, so Michael McDowell ends up nabbing his second career win. His first one came at a super speedway. Now he's got a road course win, win and he is qualified for the playoffs. Um, he's going to be sitting somewhere around... The top 10, I think he's got 542 points. So with that win in the playoff standings, he's sitting 12th. Um, but a good win for him and good win for that team. They, they, it definitely wasn't something that they lucked into. They they definitely earned it all day long. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, you know, that's what he said in his post-race. He said, you know, after practice, he goes, I knew we had a car that could win this race. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just going to be to make sure everything happened and, you know, um, the pit stops were good. You know, his money pit stop was good. And that's where Suarez was running second. If Suarez hits his pit stop, you never know what's going to happen, but he didn't, you know, and he comes, 
six seconds behind the second place car in third place. And he was just never a factor there. Yeah. Um, and theoretically, if you're six seconds behind the car in front of you, you got a lot of clean air. You should be fast. But by that time, that late in the race, they're all strung out. There's no really clean air for anybody. Yeah. So everybody's in the same boat. So. Uh, post-race inspection was complete. Michael McDowell was officially scored as the winner and NASCAR did not decide to take, uh, decided to not take any driver, any cars back to the NASCAR R and D center for further teardown and inspection. Yeah. There um, wasn't anything weird enough in the race to, uh, to justify doing that. Yeah. Uh, did you see that Harvick has been apparently racing with some broken ribs for the last couple of weeks? No, I did not read that article. Uh, earlier this summer, he, uh, busted up some ribs as he fell down a flight of steps. Uh, I'm trying to scan it real quick and see where it happened. Uh, Harvick said the cup series race at Nashville, Chicago in the following weekends were rough because, but he had been mostly healed, uh, by Atlanta. Okay. So it looks like the fall happened when they were on vacation in Italy. They were over, I guess they were over there with, uh, Keelan and doing some coke cart racing at the time. Man, I tell you, that's it's. There's a couple of bones that I just, I hope and pray I never break, and ribs or a rib is one of them. I, I heard it's absolutely, uh, gr- just, well, painful to to deal with. It's terrible. It's a constant. Have you ever broke any ribs? Seven of them on the left side. Oh my god. <laughs> Sheesh. So, yeah, and uh, I spent a week in the hospital, and uh, every time that that poor old candy striped girl would come in with that wheelchair, you know, like every other day for an x-ray or something, every little itty bitty crack in the floor, just, Mm. oh, you feel it like you wouldn't believe. And then the, then I would just, I would start cringing and tensing up, which probably didn't help anything every time I went on the elevator. Yeah. How'd you break them? Car wreck. Okay. Uh, Racing related or? No, no. I hit a piece of ice uh, about 88th and Fort Street over there by the Humane Society, just east where that little uh, little bridge is over the yeah. little Pepeo Creek up there. Oh, yeah. It's just going, down the road from the pub. Yeah. I was going eastbound mm-hmm. and there's that baseball park there. Well, I hit that little dip in front of that bridge and it was slick out and it spun me around. And I was basically facing west and the... Uh, driver's side tires hit the curb and if the trees hadn't stopped me i don't know how far i'd have rolled out into that baseball field but i hit a tree with the top of my car and if it had probably hit a foot forward it probably would have hit me in the head my monte carlo looked like an el camino put the back window on the back seat (laughs) i busted the side window out with my head I got a big scar on my ear. Took about twenty <laughs> stitches where the plastic surgeon put my ear back together. Sheesh. Yeah, busted ribs or something. I've 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 had a couple of friends and known people that have had to deal with them, and hurts to laugh, hurts to walk, hurts to do anything. For uh, oh, and, and it's not a a couple of week deal. It's usually several months. Well, it, that that part depends on the person. Mine mine were I was grimacing and in tears a lot for two weeks. But again, I go in and have a kidney transplant. And I take no pain meds after the surgery. Yeah, <laughs> tough or stupid, or you know, or both. I don't know which. But uh, yeah, but I mean, I've known people that have, have you know been bothered by broken ribs for two months. Yeah. So, 
Uh, let's move on to the Rick Havenridge Pickens contest. You and I were talking about the picks for the weekend at Indy. Shane Van Ginsbergen was uh, the most picked driver at 14 contestants taking him. Then myself and 12 other people took Chase Elliott, who was the second most picked uh, driver. Then it was Michael McDowell with nine people. Tyler Reddick had nine people. And then Daniel Suarez had five. Um. Not really seeing anybody. I guess uh, three people took Kyle Busch, who had kind of a rough day, but those two stage finishes would help recover his points a little bit. Um, so it wasn't really a big shakeup in the points. I think my chances at making the playoffs are pretty much gone. I'm sitting uh, 49, no, 47th right now. I jumped three spots with, with a good points day at Indy. Yeah, but, but Elliot can't even save you. I mean... You can't even – you can win both the remaining races, mm-hmm. and it ain't going to make no difference. Not a bit. It's not going to make a bit of difference to me. Um, I had, like you said, I think there were nine people to pick McDowell, I think yeah. what you said. Uh, I think, yeah. I think three or four of them were in front of me. All the, There were a lot of them at the top that picked him. Yeah. So um, I've got one more pick of Elliot left. I, I think I'm going to use him at Watkins Glen because I think that's probably, even though I always have the theory of, of going to the playoffs with several, with at least 10 really good picks. That, I mean, that's the best case scenario. But I, I think taking Elliot at Watkins Glen is probably the best idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Using my last available pick with him for the season and, uh, and just write it. As long as he's got something, you know, where he's starting, you know, in the top five or six, if he's going to, if he really screws up qualifying or, you know, or breaks in practice or whatever might happen. Yeah. You know, if he's going to start 30th. I think I'd try and find somebody up front. I don't like a 30th place start at a road course. I mean, I looked at him yesterday. I looked at Michael McDowell, but I ended up going with Suarez, another guy I hadn't picked. I mean, there's been 24 races now and I've used 22 different drivers. And I'm in eighth place for the seventh straight week. I haven't moved up. I've picked up 40 points on the front, but I haven't haven't moved up anywhere. I'm still in eighth place. The guys behind me are shuffling around. Now I think I've got, I think I could not pick the next two weeks and I'd still be in the playoffs. Hmm. And that's with a 60-point penalty on yeah. Bowman earlier in the year. A good year for you. Uh, just to review everybody before we wrap up today's show, the uh, Pickums contest, if you're involved in it, uh, we always say that we're going to take 16 contestants. It's going to be the top 16 in points at the conclusion of the race at Daytona. Uh, but obviously, if Dirk's in there, uh, we'll take a 17th person. That way, there could be 16 contestants, and then Dirk will just see where he finishes in there. Uh, everybody, 17. What's that? I'm bragging rights only. Yeah. Uh, 17th on back will continue to p- compete. Uh, it'll just be for a uh, better fin- finishing position at the end of the season. So you can get a little bit better pick in uh, the prize vault. And then uh, starting with race number 27, uh, all the 16 contestants that are competing will be reset to 2000 points. Plus they're going to get three bonus points for each win they got in the season. You can look through your wins in the standings and I will stress to you that it is the uh, driver wins, not the team wins that we utilize in the points. Um, there's one driver or one contestant out there I'm seeing already that's got seven driver wins. So they're probably going to be leading. They're absolutely going to be leading in the points once we do the reset. 
because uh, nobody else can catch. Well, I guess uh, Miss O'Doom can catch him and pass him with the two races left. But that's the way the point standings work for the Rick Haven Ridge Pickens contest. That's going to be um, wrapping up here shortly, and we'll be doing more prizes going out. And uh, I've got all the the office stuff done now, so I can uh, I can I can focus on mailing those out in a much more timely manner and uh, and get all the prizes mailed out. So yeah. Speaking of office and timely manner, um, it's about time you went ahead and tried to book a motel for Kansas City. Maybe get that one with that car charger again. Yep, 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 yep. I better do that. I was thinking about that today as I was driving around. I was like, son of a gun, I better put those media credential requests in and uh, start working on that September race. So we'll be getting down to Kansas City here shortly for the uh, NASCAR Cup Series weekend. Got anything else for us, Dirk? No. Like I said, unless you want to maybe talk about the SLMR this weekend. Uh, We should save that for Thursday. Okay, we'll save it Thursday. That sounds fair to me. We'll do it on Thursday. We'll talk to you guys for Thursday show. If you got anything you want us to talk about or any uh, topics you want to chime in on, you can always message us on the Facebook uh, Front Stretch Facebook page, or you can email us uh, frontstretchpodcast at gmail.com. I do have one more thing to mention real quick. Yep, go ahead. Um, Wednesday, pretty sure it's Wednesday or no, tomorrow, Tuesday, excuse me, the day that this is out. So if you listen early, <laughs> um, Tuesday afternoon on August 15th, uh, Ron Caps is going to be in Omaha. Oh, really? Um, yeah, the new speed shop up on uh, it's 40 something Hamilton, 40th and Hamilton, okay. Omaha Speed Shop. The guy that runs it is an ex crew chief in uh, top fuel stuff. Well, good deal. Caps is stopping between Topeka and Minnesota next week. So he's going to be there Tuesday afternoon. Good deal. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the Front Stretch presented by Joe's Carding at Quaker Steak and Lube. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Quaker Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just 99 cents with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All You Can Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or six boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get too quick to steak and lube.